So who have you guys had up to now, if you don't mind me asking? We've had lots of people, I mean, both of our backgrounds. Like, like what are you guys has... after in terms of a, like, big picture? If you, yeah. Big picture, it's having guests that can, well, I mean, our mission with this is actually to make a positive difference in people's lives. So it started as a young professionals group where we sat down and had these types of discussions. Hot and actually, issues. I let that evolve naturally. It was through a website called meetup.com. And uh, it was interesting. It was actually one of the people from the core group that had the idea to start the podcast. It was maybe something that I had considered previous, but I thought I would just let it happen and oh, develop man. naturally. You have no idea how much I've had this dream, too. Like, that's, yeah. That's pretty cool. And, uh, and then from there, we just uh, we hit that spot where it was like, let's do this. And I knew Jace was interested not only in podcasting, but that we'd had long range conversations just about life and about like oh, anything yeah. in the universe oh, yeah. so it was just natural and i knew he had the the dream of directing one day too mm. so i i figured the the audio and video side would be something that he would have the knowledge to help with as well because i would have been got going in with absolutely no experience uh, and or no knowledge previous you got the knowledge yeah you got the idea and then it's something. basically <laughs> it's evolved naturally know. it's evolved naturally into having yeah. guests at first, we didn't have guests. It was more so getting comfortable with the microphone and being able to talk. And yeah. we, we initially set about... Was it a tough learning curve, like you're saying? Like, or is that what you mean? A little bit, yeah. I mean, everything was a learning curve. I know Jace talked about the first time setting up, it took about, I think, an hour. Oh, almost an hour, an hour and a half. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> so just this setup? Yeah, like, just like figuring just out how the mics out. all What work. is a podcast? Can, can you kind of give me... I, I'm so curious. Like, I, I, I've never <laughs> seen a podcast set up before. Like, I've never been on one. I've never... I've never. Uh... Honestly, we made it up as we go. But I know one of the things that I was really uh, interested in was having video. Just because we've turned into, like, a YouTube kind of, I don't know, society. Yeah, so everything... Because... I was going to say, do you guys have a channel on YouTube? Yeah. So I have a channel, like, Be The Change YPS. Is it is it on YouTube? YouTube, uh, it's bit.ly. Oh, you guys should film your, kind of like a, kind of like Joe, how Joe Rogan does it. Well, that's the dream. That's one, the day, dream. one day, one day. With the so multiple cameras. And multiple that. HD cams with <laughs> 1080p or whatever better you can yeah. get, Dang. like. 4K video. Joe Rogan has like a dedicated space for it though. It's like oh, yeah. super professional equipment. One day, I, one I day. Would but obviously so, yeah. you have to start somewhere. He's at oh. over a thousand or eleven hundred podcasts now. And he over, started yeah, that. Yeah, oh man. And he's, he's one of the top yeah. And he started the M MMA podcast. I'm as sure well. that's popular. But yeah, he's the he's the pod father. Yeah, you, there as you well. Think about that. Eleven hundred. <laughs> think of how many years it would take to get to eleven hundred. Yeah, I mean he does multiple, multiple in a week, week and, now, but and, originally he didn't. No, he well how many did he do? Just one a week? He did one. It? I think he did about one a week, and I it was, even then, like seven hundred. So I'm not really sure. It's, on that. what I really like about it, and so all the guests that we've had on so far have, have been from a, a diverse array of backgrounds. But we've had to, we've had these conversations, and it's like you get to learn from other people's experiences, and like mm -hmm. rarely do you get to sit down for a couple hours and just get to learn from somebody else's. Like they might be doing something completely different. But if you're aiming at the same point, like being successful at something mm -hmm. and doing interesting things, then there's obviously a lot you can take from people's stories. So that also that also gives me another question. Um, if you don't mind, I'm <laughs> yeah, sorry, no, I'm full of questions. Yeah. Uh, just um, so are the answers you're like um, wanting to get out of me? Are they more based? Like, are you want Natural. like? genuine just just be well i i thought i I, th I meant more if, in terms of content like is it more of like a like an uplifting like like a 
like a help people, depression people and and people who uh, suffer from mental illness, or is it more like a um, who's doing what in culture in Winnipeg? Who, who's who's basically uh, a little bit of everything. It's just yeah. it, I, I, I'll just keep straight. Just just like you said, just just yeah. I mean, it. We say that tangents are welcome. So obviously, yeah. we prep some topics and things to talk about, and especially your projects and mm-hmm. your story oh, of how you got yeah. into acting. Yeah. And, talk, and talk, talk true to yourself. That's, yeah. that's, that's, just, that's all it comes just down like to. Doing now, like, yeah. Yeah. Where you yeah. came from, what happened. And if you have any questions for us, by yeah. all means. Man. And, uh, don't and by don't way, feel like it's a one-way conversation. And if, and if there's any signals, like if I'm like starting to veer off a little bit too much. Well, we love that. We love that, though. Give me a little something to... We can always rein people in. My thing is... We get a little off topic sometimes. We get off topic. It happens. It's the best part of podcasts. Both of us try and rein each other in when we go way off into no man's land. get a partner. That's exactly it. I think we have... We juxtapose each other's skills very well, and we also, in conversation, it's like we can keep ourselves on track by having the other one here. So yeah. it's, it's nice to bring it full circle. Might get extra off track today because I'm on T3s right now because of my knee. So we'll yeah, see oh, where geez. that happens. Jason just got knee surgery. Yeah, I saw so. the crutches. Yeah, jeez. Yeah. Yeah, Yo, how'd you do that? Uh, well, I tore my ACL at Sky Zone a couple of years ago, <laughs> nice. and it's just been a process trying I've to get into surgery. So wow. It's, it's a good surgery. It's just a long recovery process. It's not like a dangerous surgery or anything. No, no. It took all of an hour. I was awake for the entire thing. Uh, I, uh, it's not too bad. I got the C the whole thing on the uh, screen cool. there and what they were doing. I don't know if I would want to see the same the thing. Only, I, did, I, didn't, I thought I'd like throw up or something or like get nauseous you watching get, like, it. curious? <laughs> I'm just like, it's it just like they were like stabbing me and everything and like I didn't care. Like you, you're so drugged up and kind of yeah. out of it that you're just like, oh, you're just so comfortable. I, I'm, like, oh, a, I'm an ex-skater. I def- I've had my, I've never had surgery, but no? I've had my fair share of uh, trips to the doctor. Like serious trips to the doctor. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, you guys, uh, any you got any more tips? Any more before you start? Uh, I'm pretty warmed up. You're pretty warmed up. That's good because <laughs> we've already re- already recorded. <laughs> I know. Yeah, we I always. Know, yeah, what's that? No, we always like to start recording kind of while we're just talking naturally. So we're I already like going. Yeah. All right, <laughs> all right. Nice, nice, easy segue into the actual podcast, exactly. right? I love that. Sweet. So I guess I'll do a little bit of an intro and then I'll hand it over to you. But cool. we're here with. Colin Dufo. Hello. Um, with the English folks, it's Colin Dufo. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he is an actor, writer, comedian. Um, he <laughs> is in theater, is a songwriter, musician, and screenwriter as well. Would that be all the hats that you wear? Um, yeah, I would say Big Dreamer <laughs> would be a big one out of all of those two. Uh, obviously, you know, some people label themselves as one thing, but like honestly, you know, when when you try, I, I'm a toe dipper, so to speak. You, the, the the pool of acting, the pool of music. You know, you, you got to dip your toe in uh, in all of them as a creative. I feel like every, if if you're not dipping toes, you're not being creative. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> no, well I, I can definitely attest to that. Is just trying a bunch of different things, yeah. and and you never want to feel stagnant. You never want to stay in one place too long because you really want to challenge yourself to grow in all those different venues and, and different realms. So maybe as a, as a way to intro it off, how would your closest friends describe you and what you do? Um, <laughs> the close ones definitely are more critical of my work. They're very, <laughs> uh, they're the ones where I, when I want a true opinion, I'll ask them. <laughs> but uh, supportive, um, although, uh, yeah, although blunt and, and fairly and honestly, that's better than having yes people around you all the time. 
because having those close ties early on when you start out, start out as an actor or a musician or something like that, you want somebody to keep you sane, essentially, mm-hmm. um, somebody to give you good feedback so that you know that mistake can be corrected next time and make it so much better. Um, let's say you do a, a film and you, you see this mistake reoccurring every time, but nobody, let's say you have everybody around you that's saying, you're awesome, you're awesome, you're awesome. We see this, we see this all the time, again and again. But if you have critical people around you, like, and you're, you know, you're, you're going to have to let your skin be pierced, you know, let that, let that thin, I think thick in, in skin. theater, you have to have that happen, right? Yes, like, absolutely. Yes. And just be humble and just, just accept that you're not perfect and that the next one can be better, I guess, is the point I'm trying to make. <laughs> yeah. And how would they describe you as a person? But as a person, um, very eccentric, I'd say. Um, I'm. Um, I think. Okay. Well, in their words, I think they would say very flamboyant. Uh, <laughs> I'll be the guy that usually ends up doing um, impressions at the end of the at the end of a long night. Uh, I'm usually uh, somehow finding myself uh, on stage on karaoke nights. Just um, <laughs> some people are a sad. Sad drunk, sad partier, a happy partier. I'm a uh, very um, uh, flamboyantly loud and maybe obnoxious uh, person. <laughs> and that's, I think, honestly, how they would probably describe me. But as as a creative that they do respect and uh, that I do uh, like a lot uh, as, you know, for self-esteem issues and stuff like that. Because um, you, you'll see that a lot in, uh, in um, the performing arts, uh, that kind of stuff, yeah. Well, is it nice then to have acting? Is it kind of that escape from just the day-to-day you get to play someone else and you get to just be in a different mindset? Is that part of the draw for you? It uh, Yes, absolutely. But it really, the, the real answer is it depends. Uh, because if you're being put in a, let me give you an example of a role, like I ju- the last project I just wrapped was um, a play actually by the, the the Cercle Molière, if you're French, or the Circle Molière. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. That's how it, the English it, would say. Yeah. It's like, is it Des The, the TCM, like yeah. that big old glassy building, that beautiful building on yeah. uh, Provence there. I got to do um, their first, they've been around for about like a hundred years. Like there's some, they're uh, a very uh, prestigious French uh, theater group. And they did their very first uh, play with uh, depictions of gay or hom- or uh, homosexual lifestyles of voyageurs and uh, and um, doing during Louis Riel's day, which was always ignored in textbooks, always never talked about. And I got the privilege of playing the, that first uh, that first uh, homosexual role and the first. Uh, um, um, intimate role I've ever done. So the first intimate role I've ever done in my life was this one right there. And it was uh, quite uh, a leap, uh, <laughs> to say the least, <laughs> Yeah, to, to learn. I mean, no, I bet. So what's maybe the most interesting, I guess, besides the acting, what's the most interesting event that's happened in your life lately? Ah, geez. Um, that's a good question. Um, I guess th- I would say just the the ramping up of the I, I know this kind of this is gonna be really cheesy. All right. So so cheese alert, <laughs> cheese, cheese alert. Okay. <laughs> Slice it up. Yeah. The so cheese alert. So um basically just honestly being confident for 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 once in my work in that 
I've dipped the, the toe dipping that I referred to earlier is the only way you'll find something that you're truly good at. Like how else are you supposed to discover something as a musician? I knew I was mediocre. I knew I wasn't, I was discovering myself creatively, but I've been doing acting since I was uh, like my, like my mom was one of those moms that just, you know, threw threw the kid upstage. So as far as I can remember, essentially. And, um, and it takes, um, uh, lost my train of thought here. Um, that's yeah. right. Maybe talk further about how you got into acting. And yeah, how sure, your, sure. Your yeah, parents influenced sure. you into it. Uh, ba- so basically, my both my my dad um, was in a band for years and years and years. So he's got that performance blood in him. My mom, uh, she's the big big theater bug. Um, she's did theater all her life. So she really wanted me to get into it. And honestly, it's I didn't need her to for me to love <laughs> to love uh, being on stage. It was uh, very natural. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I. Um, uh, the, the performing arts came very easily to me. Uh, a lot of people have troubles with auditions, with eyes on them and stuff like that. And I've always kind of had the opposite, th- more of a thrill, more of a kind of a shark, you know, wanting to get that, get that role next, ex- um, uh, beside, you know, instead of the guy beside, beside you, you're reading his lines, you know. You, you, I, I enjoy the, <laughs> the, the, the spirit of competition. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. I find I've gotten that from a lot of different places. I mean, my background is probably more so in sports, but music has ar- always played a big role. But I even tried a theater role when I was in grade oh, yeah? nine. Yeah, <laughs> tell me about actually, it. Yeah, so in I went to uh, French immersion high school, and actually I was in the. It was a completely French play, mm-hmm. and actually, funny <laughs> enough, I played. It was essentially a play um, mixed between the Three Little Pigs. And um, Little Red Riding Hood, so the wolves were cousins, and then they were, and the three little pigs and Little Red Riding Hood were friends, and it was this whole. Um, it was it was an interesting take on it. It was actually one of the former students that had written the play, and then we we performed it, and we actually ended up winning the top play, like the top high school oh, play yeah? that year. Nice, but they had some critiques for me. So my character was actually one of the three little pigs, and it was the more intelligent one. So you had the what was it? The the stick house, the straw house. I don't even and remember the house. And, and, and then the, the, the concrete or yeah, the brick house. Brick house. Yeah. Yeah. So I was the one that built the brick house. I think I was called brick in the in the thing too. <laughs> but uh, actually Smart. my my personality trait that, that I had to play was that I was I was actually the gay little pig. And so one of the nice. and one of the little wolf or one of the wolves was actually a vegan, and so we ended up hitting it off and like this whole thing. But then for the rest of the year, I don't know how your experience has been, but then yeah. people judge me. I was in band and in theater, so you get judged as being oh, like the yeah. the theater geek or the the band geek. And I just went, isn't this a cool thing to actually be able to be on stage and perform for people? And and uh, yet you have the the high pushback. High school's harsh. High school's yeah, you harsh. have the pushback. Absolutely, from people, so. especially through high school. As a matter of fact, I stopped doing theater for years. When I got into music, um, I don't want to say it was because of peer pressure because I totally enjoyed it. You know, I would I would go to studios until until the wee hours of the morning and work like at a 10 a.m. shift the next day. Like I was, I was very, very dedicated. Um, but like it's music is, uh, jeez, uh, uh, I'm losing my train of thought all over this uh, railroad <laughs> of life here. Yeah. Um, uh, no, but, um, uh, you're saying, uh, the three little pigs, uh, um, how do we get to, uh, oh, geez, I'm, uh, 
losing my train He's of thought. About like a, how people are judging him for how people right for being in theater. Right. So yeah. okay, gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. So yeah. So when you're when you're late when you people want to put labels all the time, right? True. And I stopped. Yeah. Like I said. Okay. Okay. I, I'm back on the railroad. Okay. So yeah, I essentially gave into peer pressure. I stopped for about three to four years um, with music and essentially just, or you know, stopped with theater to get into music to maybe um, at the same time do what I wanted to do because I did like music, but also commit a bit to the peer pressure of how I would rather people see me as this, you know, this this cool maybe a rapper at the time, you know, which is today sounds a little more ridiculous. Although I'll stand by my skill. Well, I'll still, I'll still stand by that. Um, but I didn't touch acting until I left those people. So it's really, it, it's, it's indicative, you know, like it's, it's almost like what you were saying. Um, um, it, it, high school is an evil place, man. <laughs> yeah. Tough. But I, I think it teaches you to eventually surround yourself with like-minded people and, and not and, to care and, and not, not to care, care what much, people yeah. think about you. Yeah. I know I, to play a little bit of the devil's advocate here, um, through up until university and I didn't go to university until I was 24. Mm. Um, I hated theater. I actually, I bullied people who took theater in high school. I was one of those people. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, and the, my, this idea of theater was uh, back in the day, we would say, and quote unquote, like that was gay, like back when people used to use that term as a, as a native connotation. Um, until I, until, but I love film. That, and so that's kind of where theater came from for me. And university, I decided yes, to take intro yeah. to theater as a supplement to film and kind of get an, an acting side of thing. Uh, acting side of it even though film acting and theater acting couldn't be more different right oh yeah absolutely yeah um but um my first year i had this amazing professor his name was robert smith who just pushed me because i was so anxious about uh going into auditions uh, and everything and you have to audition for shows in your first year yeah yeah and you're so clueless at the beginning of an acting career yeah. or anything and yeah. he pushed me and i've never seen theater actually so like i i I made fun of theater, but I've never actually seen it. Damn, so you and made like I, a whole flipperoo right there, eh? Yeah, and I eventually went to MTC, watched... Uh, well, actually, what was the moment that changed your that changed your, your script, flip, that flipped your script? To see how much actual work and effort went into theater, how much heart went into theater and acting and directing oh God, and the yeah. whole... And you know what? I thought film was so much better than theater and higher this higher form, but like... I don't even think of them on the same level anymore. They're, they're, they're two complete different beasts. There's some, some things that can kind of cross over between them. Yeah. However, but I just, I love how much work can go into theater and for some people to do that and night like after night. And I feel like unappreciated. Oh, yeah, night after night. Yeah. Like, talk about night after night. We're doing nine performances. And to put yourself French, into that uh, role, depending on how you act and everything, it just oh, yeah. it blows my mind. And, and the directing of it and just yeah, everything behind the stage, uh, stage managing, all of that. All of those little people running yeah. around with a single goal in mind to put this show together is just like, it, it just, it's, a, it's amazing to watch. Yeah, right? it is. It's crazy. <laughs> it's, it's chaotic, but it, the, yes. the way it comes together in the end is, uh, is truly amazing. There's something and, and through thrilling that, about that though isn't and it through, yeah to see that process i that's how i fell in love with theater and i i was the uh the stage runner for their the first or sorry second show of the school year that year in 2014 and um that's when i got to see kind of everything slowly come together and mm. i kind of got an interest in different parts of it and i was like okay this isn't as bad as i 
originally yeah, yeah. thought it would be, and and I slowly fell we in love with theater. We make fun of what we don't know, right? Yeah, yes. So. And until until we do know, it, and then we're like, oh, it's the same thought. <laughs> for yeah. anyone that I bullied back in high school, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I think jealousy plays part of that as well. Oh god, where. You saw you saw these people that were acting, and it was maybe something you subconsciously oh. wanted to do because you saw that as you know being maybe, part of yeah. film. Or, or I usually feel that people typically will bully who they want to emulate or who they're jealous of in yeah. some way or another. Well, because usually, it's that insecurity yeah. of yourself, in- and that's exactly. what you see in those other people. That's actually exactly what it was: insecurity. It was low self-esteem. I was overweight. Um, uh, I, like you can attest to this, I'm pretty monotone <laughs> at times, but and so to to put myself outside of that element was uh, and it was scary when I, you know 24 years old and and when I was more comfortable with myself uh, physically to actually put myself in another spot where like people are judging me and criticizing me Did and I'm you? not I wasn't used to that right I wasn't used yeah. to people saying oh, yeah. oh I was used to like you're beautiful the way you are you're good the way you are <laughs> but I actually prefer when people tell me I'm like it's hey that that was that was good but maybe this could be make it better right like yeah, yeah. i don't i don't mean in putting people down i mean constructive criticism yeah. is like this kinda, is how you can like do it better yeah for, yeah yeah for sure for sure yeah totally no but that's that's really cool to hear that uh the the bug bit you a little later later than uh, most of us <laughs> yeah but yeah no it's it's cool because theater is like the bud that if you will that's a uh, you know that that and that make people figure themselves out and go into stand up or or a uh, uh, comedy sitcom TV film uh, you know uh, and go so many different Broadway yeah. whatever you know a musical singing um, a lot of it starts at that at that at that level but that's so cool that uh, you you saw that and you're like appreciative of it and like yeah man that that's really cool one of the things that I've found is that acting and or theater and or somehow the entertaining gene is a thing and and that's something that I feel that I got that for whatever reason I had influences I think I have both the sports influence and the entertainer and those are the things internally that maybe um they they maybe battle but I I also see I was looking at the people I was just at the bombers home opener and seeing the panel like Milt Stiegel and all those guys Jock Climby (laughs) but being like man I I I I see them and I also feel like I'm not far away from being one of them in a weird way. Like now with Mm -hmm. podcasting and being in front of people and actually recently, uh, just in this past year, I've gotten away from it a little bit, but I perform comedy on a stage. Really, I fell on my face. It's I fell so on my fun. face and, and oh. yeah, but in a, in a good way though. I mean, you have to, between, to yeah. between memorizing material and trying to be able to perform for the stage and not necessarily having that comfort, but then that actually evolved into performing music at a lo- local coffee shop. See? So it's See. a little bit of that gene. Um, and I attest that to my grandfather playing in jazz bands his whole life. So singing and playing the, uh, the trumpet. And uh, there's even, totally a musical gene yeah. out there somewhere to be discovered. <laughs> well, and, and my, or, or a performance gene. Like, yeah. Say. And my siblings and I all played instruments growing up. And I would say that my family has sort of that entertainment element. Like we all compete for words at the table and or everybody has their, my dad even has his like shtick or routine. Like it's dad jokes that he uses over and over again. <laughs> yes. But I mean, he can be the most charming, entertaining person in the room. And I feel like, you, you learn from that, and oh, you also, yeah. all of a sudden it goes like, okay, what are the things that I have or haven't done in life that I'd like to try 
more of or try completely anew. And and so entertaining for some reason was that word that came up. And and like it you, can be intimidating too, it, having that realization and walking into that you know like metaphorical taking that first step. And it's well, I think the first step in basically doing anything because you have to be. It's playing the fool, right? It's having absolutely no clue what you're stepping into. You're going to suck at something the first time you do it. I, you couldn't have said it better. You, you have no idea what you're stepping into. It's all about adapting to your surroundings and leaving your shame and ego at the door. I tell this every time somebody asks me for audition advice, I tell them this. Leave your shame, your ego, your feeling of being embarrassed at the door. If if you want to roll on the ground during this interview? Fucking roll. Oh, no, yes, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> See, we say be honest, so yeah, we yeah. just, just roll it. on the ground. Like, like, let me give you. Can I? Can I give an example of? Um, yeah. Um, probably one of the auditions I'm most proud of, and probably one of the best um, acting uh, films I've ever been a part of. Um, it was. It's a. It's a. It's a short film. A short musical film. Um. Um, it was directed, I don't want to get this wrong, um, by uh, uh, Nicole Baldwin and Miles Crossman. And those two just, um, created If It Ain't Got. And it, it's, I, I'm not going to, I don't want to give too much here, but uh, it's, like, it's a musical and it's very, very swingy. And so, okay, so I go to the audition for this. I, I made it very clear. I am not a dancer. I do not, like, like the, one of the very few things that I don't do <laughs> Is I don't dance and I can't sing, and I and this was a full-on musical where in, in the audition hallway is usually when everybody sizes sizes each other up. Yeah. There's girls in spanks stretching, you know, guys in their uh, d- um, dancing uh, uniforms j- practicing, and then I just walk there. I'm like, oh my god, I so don't belong here. But that feeling, you have to press press that down, like like I'm just like in t-shirts and jeans, like hey, I was going like a, like a girl stretching to my right. Uh, a guy, uh, you know, doing whatever he's doing to, to my to my left, or, or you know what I mean. Yeah. And um, so basically, I got in there, and they. I'm used to getting a slide, a part of a script. If you don't know what that is, um, dear listeners, um, it's a piece of paper that is essentially a part of a script that you read that they judge if you are good for the part or not. So I go in. And I'm like, so um, I didn't get a slide. Um, and sometimes they give you a slide at the last second to see how good you are to read. And so I thought it was maybe something like that, but it wasn't. They were like, so basically, I'm like, so I'm like, you know, you guys, I'm just, I wanna, you guys know I can't, I don't sing or dance, right? I, I made that clear in the email. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah we know. I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay. And then they, and then they're like, all right, so um, we're not gonna give you a slide or anything. And I'm like, my heart started going, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> But like, you know, leave that shame, leave that ego at the door. Um, and then they said, we're going to play some music and you're just going to do whatever. Okay. And, I met, and I said, uh, whatever, like, you mean like singing, like dancing? They're like, whatever. And I, I'm like, oh, whatever. Like in my head, you know, obviously <laughs> I didn't say that out loud. Yeah. I'm like, I took that as like a challenge. Like, okay, whatever. Okay. So, you know, she, she then, then I, I have very, I have like very little... Skinny white guy dance moves in my repertoire. <laughs> so, um, what I okay. So this is what I did. She turns the music on. I'm hoping it's something like like very fast that I can just like kind of make him maybe get a laugh or something. Just survive the the audition. But it turned out to be it turned out to be this, this jazzy tune. I was just like doing my thing, you know. I 
I was on the ground. I was rolling exactly like I was describing. I, and then I like did this like spin thing and unknowingly to touched one of the directors, Nicole Baldwin, um, uh, or like touched their table and, and stuff like that. And just like got really engaged with the dancing. And just like, <laughs> just, I just went like all in. I'm like, if it, if I'm not going to get that, like, like what's the point of not trying my best? Right. And, and you know, cause like, I'm up against dancers here, you know, and this thing is very, very talented dancing uh, dancers that are involved. And I didn't want to disrespect that at the same time, but I, I had to show them something. They, and they, they laugh. I got, I got the room. I got uh, the room to laugh and uh, the rest is history because uh, I got the part and uh, got awesome. to. It's amazing. Yeah, no, it's one of my favorite um, credits on my resume for sure. Isn't it funny that those moments of just sheer let's go for this are some of the ones that can be so impactful. I mean, exactly. you left, you, you, like you said, you left your ego at the door, but then you also just went, this is me, this is what I'm going to do, and put it all out there. And sometimes it's like that blind, like, I don't even know what just happened. I don't know what I just did. Like, you, yeah. you couldn't Very go well back said. and do that again. And I've seen that in so many different realms of life where you just like, if you look back, you're like, I would never have done that the same way, and I don't know how it worked out that way. But it's amazing what evolved from that, like oh, what yeah. you were able to accomplish and the fact that you got that role, that you, you got your foot in the door and that oh, they appreciated totally. it in the end. So that's I love those amazing yeah. just, un, just unbeknownst moments. Just not getting that slide too. it kind of it probably got you out of your head a little bit, too. Right? It, I'm not going to lie. It did. It did like oh, me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a heartbeat, folks. <laughs> um, no, but uh, <laughs> King Kong's in here now. <laughs> no, yeah, no, it was scary because, yeah, no, I wasn't. Uh, I I had a little inkling that I was being uh, um, uh, ambushed, so to speak. <laughs> but uh, no, it, 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 was, it was so much fun. And th those are honestly my favorites because I because I have an improv background too, in French improv, but improv nonetheless. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever done improv before. It's one fun. Uh, it's one fun game. Uh, maybe not fun to watch, no. but uh, <laughs> I feel. That I, I love watching improv. Um, I have a couple of friends who do it and have their own improv show and everything. Um, I've never thought about it. Doing no. it. I, that's it's one of those things where I feel like I get caught in it is my a own great thought. exercise. Yeah, but yeah. I'm sure it is. Yeah, we I've done it like in class exercises. Oh yeah, yeah, that, yeah. I, oh yeah. I I didn't mean like in like in leagues or anything like that yeah. specifically, but just like. I, that, that's always something that I've loved too, and uh, yeah, I know some of yeah. my professors in, in school definitely they forced us to to do improv just to get us oh, out of good. Out get of, up, get you out yeah. of the shell. Yeah, exactly, and that it, it works. It eventually works, and it gets you closer to other people. And, and that's how I like about especially theater in Manitoba too is that a lot of people are very closely. Oh in, yeah, in, yeah, in the, the community, community is, uh, here. Yeah. I For think sure. it's it's flexing those entertainer muscles in a weird way. Like it's yes. it's learning those different skills that you can use in different situations. So being able to think on your feet. So just like you being in front of a, an audition and just being like, do whatever you want. It's just being to go with it and being able to come up with ideas and, and to be able to just sink into whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah. Because I feel like if you're too technical, if you're like, I can deliver this line in 36 yeah. different ways and, <laughs> and you know, I can be dramatic, I can be excited, I can be sad, I can be like anything, then, then you might just get too far into your head and then you can only do, like if they were to give you that slide, you could only do it if they gave you that. And so it's nice to just be able to go off the cuff and just say- It was a very is, rare moment. That yeah. doesn't happen too often. Um, 
Yeah, but you're right. You're absolutely right, though. It's uh, it was a lot of it was really cool. <laughs> just being inventive, though, is one of the things. No, like just I, yeah. being able to create on the spot, and so that's why I wish, uh, in a way, I I do wish I've done that. I sorry, I wish that I I have tried to do it a little bit more, like to try and do um, what were we just talking about? Improv, improv, yeah. improv, because. <laughs> I even think in day-to-day, like, approaching people and being more open and, mm-hmm. and to just have good conversation, you have to be willing to put yourself out there and oh, come yeah. up with things on the spot. But oftentimes I find I read people and they're too closed off. or And I get inside my own head because I start because thinking, do they want... Well, you have somebody with headphones on and you want to talk to them, but mm. it seems intrusive to their experience yeah. to talk to them while they have headphones on. So... In the gym, you're probably not going to start a bunch of conversations. And I put my headphones on. I like to listen to music in the gym. But I'm also open to having conversation depending on the time, right? So it's – but it's – I think improv helps that because you just go, I'm just going to do something and like people are going to react to it. small talk type of thing? Or is that, was that what you mean? I don't like small talk, actually. <laughs> I think it's maybe one of my – not weaknesses, but one of the things I'm averse to. And I think that's maybe another reason why I don't start as many conversations as I should. It, because it is useless. I mean, it... it I hate being like, <laughs> yeah. how's the weather? S- small talk doesn't really accomplish what, anything. You know, I can do the occasional Jets chat or sports chat. Oh, yeah. But yeah. I, the weather chats... I just start no, to hate myself yeah. and hate the other person <laughs> instantly. I, that's where I draw the lines. <laughs> so I try and come up with something that's situational most times. Or just, hey, how's your day going? And then hopefully something comes from that. Or you talk about the cool thing that just happened. So yeah, it's for sure. But I think improv is that thing that, that helps you just think on your feet a little bit more and flex that muscle. So Yeah, you know, for, no, it's definitely... Uh... A great exercise for acting, even if you're not an actor, even like yeah. in life, if you want to, if you're, if you, if you have public speaking to do and you always, and you, let's say, work for this big company, you're scared to talk in front of people. That's why you got the job in the first place, let's say, um, and you need to do this speech all of a sudden, you know, um, improv is always, is this, is the bee's knees of learning to let yourself go and just flow. When, when when the time comes. Isn't it funny that so many people fear public speaking? Isn't it yes. more people yeah. fear public speaking than fear death? It's something yeah, like that's, that, that's 80 or 90 percent. That is ridiculous. That, is that real? <laughs> I might be making up the exact statistics. I know it's you're, more fear public speaking than no, death. Yeah, you're right even, about that. That's, that's, even the, the statistics smaller than that, even that's crazy. I didn't think that. But, yeah, no, I, I could... I was going to say I could kind of see that, but no, I don't think so. <laughs> oh, I can attest to it, though, in the sense that performing, especially musically for whatever reason, is just that thing that you know they're judging you on your voice if you're in key, if you're playing, if you're also playing an instrument, if you're playing on beat or on rhythm and that you're not messing that up. So you almost have to, I know we talked a little bit about flow state. I always say hitting the groove in terms of music so once you hit that groove and everything's flowing perfectly and you just okay. hit that moment and that's when special things can happen it's almost like you're performing but you're not at the same time it's just it's it's coming from you and and that same thing can happen in in acting or performances right where you just all of a sudden so, yeah. sink into the role sink into what you're that's doing that's when the best the best uh, scenes and and uh, the best moments in TV and film history have happened is in that type of situation that yeah. you just described. Yeah. Um, uh, 
it's uh, awesome. Like I could name like five off the top of my head that were uh, semi uh, improvised, uh, kind of like created in that moment, like you were describing. It, um, uh, I think that's like the key to really special acting. So maybe what's your favorite movie and or your favorite moment in, in film? I, uh, well, oh boy, you're, 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 you're talking to somebody who likes uh, movies. Uh, <laughs> you like, can do a couple if you really I, I separate my, my favorites in, in genre or pre pre-90s and post-90s because I'm a okay. huge Hitchcock fan. I, oh, uh, I'm, um, you know. What's your all, favorite all Hitchcock the, film? Oh, it's it's a, it's it's got to be a two-way tie between Psycho and Dial M for Murder. I know oh, Psycho okay. is a little uh, little cliche to pick, but it is a classic. I stand, you know, I stand by it. It's even even if it's Hitchcock's most known film, it's that for a reason. For a reason, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, he's had so many great films, though. Oh. I the, the the real master of suspense. I'm a huge uh, Twilight Zone fan. Rod Serling. Nice. Uh, I I even I even I'm uh, musically I'm even a huge Frank Sinatra fan. I, I I'm just a kind of I'm kind of a history nerd in that in that in that respect. Um, uh, but as for today, to answer your question, um, oh, uh, favorite actor of all time would be Sidney Poitier. Favorite uh, film uh, impro- improv- improvisational situation. Would be and 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 it's it's a tie between Leonardo DiCaprio's uh, freak out on uh, Kerry Washington in Django Unchained. Yes, when he puts so the good. blood. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. I'm trying yeah. to. I've seen Django, but I don't he's, remember that movie. He does a scene. He's only supposed to go like slamming his hand on the table. Well, he, his hand bled in that scene yes. too, and he so kept going. So he slammed his hand on his like he he. So he slammed, He's supposed to slam his hand on the table. But he gets his, his his glass. His glass shatters. His hand starts bleeding. He continues the scene. Continues the scene. It's real blood too. And like he goes and the, this yeah this yeah oh yeah it's it's real blood in in the real in the take that they kept for the film they kept that one yeah and uh, that he go the the scene calls for him to go to Kerry Washington and uh, and say like you know like she is my slave and it's this really powerful scene and he like takes her his hand and just smears the blood on her face and like it just like came out of nowhere apparently on set and and um. Uh, um, the, apparently there was a after cut there was a big huge applause and stuff like that like for Leo and apparently it was just a great moment and but he didn't win award for it yeah I, <laughs> I, I was one sense <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't a giant fan of that movie but I respect but that moment the, yeah. oh jeez yeah. yeah, oh, he played such taunt. a good good um, uh, antagonist in that in that film too I yeah I'm not used to seeing him as an antagonist but he makes a good one yeah he's actually one of if not my favorite actor just in the terms of he's pretty, of, he's pretty versatile. He's versatile. Ooh, and, yeah. and the funny thing was, after Titanic, you thought he might just be this pop culture exactly. one and done kind of thing. No, he's and then kept it. things like because he was an aviator, his acting in that movie was maybe mm-hmm. the best I've ever seen. Like it, yeah. it just he had to I've play. That. It was an interesting role. I I wish I remembered more of the background, but he had to play like young and old, and he had to play like he's, kind of a strange. He's definitely grown in his age too. Like his his acting has become better, I would say, as he's grown older. Oh yeah, and, get, and getting his first Oscar so late like that, where yeah. you see like you, you see young kids get some, and like there you wonder why uh, he was snubbed for so long, but oh, uh, and and long. why the Revenants be that one that made it well. It's the Revenant was probably one of the most grueling films for him to make, so that yeah. that probably felt so good for him to get that. Yeah, <laughs> I could just imagine. Sometimes it building. seems they give out 
a, an achievement award for those. It's like, we like you as an actor and you probably deserve one of these. And everybody <laughs> seems to be complaining. So we'll start to, the Academy is super weird like that because they had such backlash because it was only Caucasians that won one year. Yeah. And then the next year it was like all African-Americans yeah. That won awards because I would, there like, was so much pushback from culture. I would love to believe that, like, those votes were not done. Like, the, like the winners were chosen by skill of film or, or whatever the category is and not, you know, under racial lines so bad. But <sighs> I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe some of those votes were genuine yeah. votes well, and and honestly moonlight moonlight yes deserved to win and yeah. what was what was some of the white moves the, the one some of the white uh, ones that won the year before uh shape of water or she, no, that was this no this that was year. this year um, uh, last year was no, i don't even remember anymore Jesus, eh? i don't i don't pay a lot of attention or put put too much into the academy awards just uh, in the yeah. sense that it's well, but it's, but you get that though because you, you probably have it's all writers right writers and directors and things that vote so you're going to have genuine people that genuinely care about the quality and the, and then you probably have the ones that are Lots pop culture I remember there was such a huge moment when uh, 12 Years a Slave won um, because, just because in terms oh, of racial yeah. terms and stuff, like, because very like rarely a, if up to that point did you ever see an African-American win for like best actor or anything. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I, I uh, didn't know that fact. Wow. Well, Halle Berry was the first female to win. She won, was it Monsters Ball? She won the female <laughs> best oh, lead a in question. a female role. Yeah. I believe that's that's correct. Mm. Um, Speaking of female achievements, though, um, the uh, Fringe Festival coming up, um, the play that I that we're actually we've actually been working on. I actually um, so we just wrapped a play that that one that I described with the. Uh, where I got to play, got the honor to play um, uh, one of well, one of the two first homosexual uh, voyageurs in in uh, the the Cirque Molières or the Circle Molières theater history, mm-hmm. and um, even before that, in January, we started this this play set in World War One, and um, our director Gilles Messier, he's uh, he's like a mad genius when it comes to props, information, um, detail, just. The, the guy is passionate um, in history in a way that I thought, like, I thought I was the historical passionate one and until, I met, until I met him. He's, a, he's like a human book that is a <laughs> great engineer. He's actually an engineer by trade, great. yeah. And, um, and, uh, <laughs> and literally he describes it as he wanted to be an engineer so that he could have a paying job so that he could pay for... Um, Funding theater and oh, films awesome. like that like is that. in a, in a, if that like if I'm not saying I'm not saying you're lying, Jill. <laughs> no, but uh, it's that's uh, ambition in itself. But anyway, so this story essentially is um, the story of Dorothy Lawrence. It's this woman who fought in World War One. World War One, and if you don't know much about World War One, it's the war that ended essentially monarchies across Europe and the world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was no more, king- well, except for England uh, n- now. Why England is one of the only countries with a monarchy, uh, meaning ha- a queen or a king or uh, a royal family. And you see um, uh, republics of uh, uh, France, Republic of Spain or, or whatever. A republic just means not a monarchy anymore. And World War I essentially destroyed, um, like, Nicholas II, like, Wilhelm II, like, Wilhelm II, or, yeah, no, or, or Nicholas 
the, yeah, no, no, yeah, Nicholas II, Wilhelm II, um, all, all these, all these um, giant figures were toppling down and world went to war. And for the British army, this woman was like, I don't want to sit back and do nothing. And she's one of those like tough, tough women, progressive for her time, not accepted, changed her name to Dennis Smith, shaved her head, joined the army. And, and this was no easy task at the time. Like it sounds simple enough, you know, enlist, but it was, um, uh, I don't want to give any spoilers out here, but, uh, (laughs) it's, it were, it's essentially what we're doing is her story. And it's, it's it's a tragedy because in in real life she spent the last years of her life in a mental institution not being believed and it was only after her death that her story was discovered and there's never really been a um outlet for her story to come out so uh kudos to my director for fine i didn't even know about her story uh but uh she was no and she was known as private dennis smith the whole, during the whole war and to, and uh and after um yeah, and uh, one day she got wounded, and uh, she got discovered wounded somewhere. You know, yes, that makes that sense. you can't really hide when um, you have to hide your gender every day for people around you. Yeah, and it, then all of a sudden you get injured, and they're gonna. I, I learned so much from the, from the from this play, uh, just like facts, just how it was for women. Like he paints a picture. The director, I strongly, strongly suggest that uh, uh, your listeners and uh, if you guys, if you're ever yeah. f- a French festivaling it up. That you check out Sport of the Engineer by Gilles Massier. Sport what, uh, of the Engineer. Sport of the Engineer. Uh, what venue is it playing at? I don't quite is there a venue know. Yet? But le- I, I, I think the French Festival has its own don't or the website. I've, or, I've, yeah, I, the, I'm embarrassed. I've you can look up on the website to... and uh, it'll tell you what venue it plays at. Okay, so know, yeah, there you go. Um, once it goes up. I'm not sure if they have it up yet because Fringe is about, what, a month away yet? Uh, July 18th, yeah. yeah. And we're doing nine performances, so there's no excuses for y'all to not come. (laughs) I like that. Um, Just the female figures in history, and you think of at that time, women in Canada only got the vote in 1912 or 10. I want to say it's one of those two years. So that would have been leading up to the First World War. So you think of the time in which that was happening and the fact that a woman went, I want to fight for my country and I want to... And we're talking 1914 to 1918. That's, that's, well, that's how long the war was. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a little, it was 1916 that uh, she enlisted. uh, Well, did most of her action. And I think, yeah, I think the war had been going on for about a year and a half, if I'm not mistaken. Um, uh, Gilles, correct me on that. (laughs) Well, it all started with (laughs) with the assassination of Arch. Dude, very good. Friends, very, Ferdinand. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Yes. So I know a little bit. I actually did a project on World War One. I. I think I was in grade seven or something. But <laughs> yeah. I remember dysentery or whatever, like the disease that they used to get for being because it was all trench warfare yes. in the yes. first trench World foot War. and uh, all that. Yeah, trench foot. Uh, and Germans use the mustard gas and yeah. Yeah, some crazy stuff that they use that even in World War II they oh, refused yeah. to use because it was so inhumane. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of ironic to to hear because uh, that's that's a quote that actually Hitler said. I I would he said he said I would refuse to use uh, chemical weapons because I think it's I think it came less of a place of human rights and more of a place of because he got uh, gas shelled when he uh, well he was a messenger yeah, it was, it was uh, kind like of a, out of fear on his part yeah yeah because he experienced it he was blind for uh, I think it was six months or something like that oh was it that and long? Um, his blindness was attri- was at first attributed to the gas and then it was he was actually blind from hysteria what they what they called that at the time I'm not sure what it would be referred to today but that's when you're 
blind, not by something that you're psychologically shocked or yeah. traumatized yeah. that you can't see. That basically is what, is what I'm trying to, <laughs> to describe here. Yeah, so, yeah, you're right. It's probably less out of uh, <laughs> like he he sold it as as out of humane purposes of not mm-hmm. using it, but more out exactly. of self fear and maybe um, what he went through because um, we all know that he did some pretty inhumane things. Well, uh, one of the things he sent Jews into gas chambers, so I well, don't get how that's I was not just about warfare. to warfare. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, maybe to shift gears back into more so acting. I do, for some reason, <laughs> war literature and or history is something that fascinates me. Yeah. More so for me, it's the Roman and Greek times and, oh, yeah, cool. and Trojan Wars and things too. So my, my historical sense goes back to that. Um, but I do, I, I enjoy knowing how how things evolved till we got to modern yes, day times. That, so that, yeah. I think that's the thing that history really shows you. And it also... I think more people should know how we got here because like one of, the, one of my favorite quotes by uh, Santiana, the poet, uh, if, you, um, if, you do not, if you do not... If you do not... It's, it's, I'm, I'm going to have to paraphrase this. If you don't remember <laughs> history, then you are doomed to repeat it. Yeah, or something those, like that. I, I love that quote. Yeah, no, I I, th- I feel like history is, should be placed way more, put more importance onto it than uh, it. One of the issues I always had was the way it was packaged, especially in school, mm-hmm. that it was you were given names and dates, and you went through. It's a mem- it's a memorization yeah. class, and, that's all it is. And well, so they prepare you for a test, right? That, that's all it came down. to. And that's what school is. And yeah. where the real learning happens is actually when you get past the subject matter and you have these discussions about the things happening underneath the surface, exactly. what's yeah. going on at the time. And when you have really great teachers, that's what they will do. They'll go beyond the content oh, yeah. and you'll actually enjoy talking yes. about the History is actually fascinating. It's just yeah. that school teaches people. It takes that the right person to teach. Yeah. There's so <laughs> many figures throughout history that you can learn from, whether it's like the, you know, the Martin Luther Kings or the Gandhis or the, you know, these figures oh, that we remember as being. Being oh, yeah. so influential, or these hidden figures like you're talking about in this upcoming play. And imagine play. how many how many stories are, are have been buried in history that we never heard. You know, like like history is by definition is written down um, uh, factual events that have happened. I guess. <laughs> so imagine of imagine all of that like all that untouched juicy uh, uh, history that uh, we we've never got to. Uh, experience i always i i'm a huge i i love uh if you see my bookshelf at home like i i have this very fat i have this fascination with uh military history just because my uncle was in vietnam and uh, my uh great grandpa was in uh, world war one so oh, wow. it was really cool to to be in this play for that reason as well because my um my director he he even knew, like, I named the regiment the, the Vendus. It's all the French people in Canada uh, were put into a, a division to kind of help uh, bridge the gap, uh, bridge the, the language barrier and uh, stuff like that. And uh, it, was a, it was a unique, unique uh, unit that my, that my, that uh, Charles Dufault, Charles Dufault, uh, <laughs> <laughs> got to actually, uh, yeah, he, he fought, he lived, of course, uh, but uh, yeah, no, it was super cool to uh, have that. Uh... That's amazing. You don't think of in our country having, um, I mean, you have people, like we have both languages represented and we have both peoples represented. And obviously in times of war, you're going to have both peoples represented on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. And yet 
you, you, that communication barrier in certain senses, those people would have been integral to oh, the success God. of our military. And there are so many stories of, of how invaluable. the Canadians um, were, persevered in the First and Second World Wars and how we were able to make mm -hmm. amazing things happen. Even though our population isn't necessarily as much as other countries, we were still integral yeah. in those wars as being, you know, as, as coming out with the outcomes that we did. And, and now, you know, we have our safety and we have our, our lives to, to, to thank those who have served, to thank veterans and even the fact that there were those people, those, those like that were able to bridge the gaps between people. Yeah, no, for sure. That's a, uh... People who can speak and bridge like that to different cultures are great asset. I literally turned my phone off, and I don't know why that <laughs> doesn't want it's an Apple phone. It, it, it doesn't want to be come off. back. Um, yeah. So more in terms of of acting, do you find yeah. that there are enough opportunities to make it as an actor in Winnipeg? And have you done the the consideration of moving to the Toronto's or Vancouver's that or, is or a LA? Very good question. Um, so basically, I have been auditioning in Toronto already because I have a unique situation where my sister lives there already. Oh, nice. So I get to fly down there. And then uh, if like I, I book something in advance, I'll fly down there, do the audition, stay until I find out whether or not, you know, did I get in, did I not get in? And then I'll, and then I'll fly back. I haven't had a situation other than when I was a finalist uh, for the picking of Big Brother a couple years ago. Oh. Big Brother Canada, I know. And, um, and, uh, Almost made it onto that show, but um, yes, I do want to answer to answer your question. I do uh, want to move to Toronto one day, just because of the 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 easy family access to my sister, you know, and uh, it gives my it, my parents a easier uh, or now a better reason to come visit us. <laughs> um, and and uh, the work is just immense. Um, like the uh, the the way I get contacted, like the way I, I get contact. Uh, for work and my schedules and all that, you see the, a city. Um, it's in brief, like there. The work in Toronto is so immense compared to the opportunities here. Of course. Although yeah. I I apply for everything and anything that is within my range, like anything, especially I I play a lot of high school students because I, I I look a lot younger than I am. Like I'm 25. Uh, I get I get uh, a lot of 16 year old gigs, which is really embarrassing. But. <laughs> That's Thanks. 25 is the TV 16. But I mean, like they're in high demand, uh, that age range. So I'll take it, you know, just yeah. if I shave, I, mean, I just look like a baby face. Uh, <laughs> hey, take it, man. When you get older, you'll want to be younger. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'll thank myself when I'm 30 or 40. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, yeah. Uh, if you if, if you're an actor in this city, um, I think is what you're saying. Um, uh, you're saying what, what would be a. Uh, sorry, your question was framed around just basically: Are there enough opportunities to make it in Winnipeg? But and then, had you looked into moving different places? Okay, which so I, so I, the first part of that question, um, no, <laughs> <laughs> you really unless you have you need to put all your marbles in one bag. If you really want to be a serious actor, you and and you're ready to. Do a cannonball into that pool. I, I don't. I was like pool references uh, for some reason. Um, pool <laughs> metaphors. <laughs> uh, but do do a damn cannonball in that pool. Jackknife that and uh, really. I mean that that that's what I did. If you want something bad enough, I feel I like I genuinely feel if you're if you're willing to put in the work to like 
learn, try everything, see what you're good at, work on those things, and then explode it to the world and show that you're not just another actor. And in the past year and a half, I've actually had a, had a, I, I, I did a, I did a role. I did a, my first leading and well, and leading anything role, leading antagonist role for the National Screen Institute of Canada. This is like a two, three years ago. And it changed my acting tra trajectory like completely. I dropped music immediately. I even quit my job because I was making enough money to support myself. Wow. So ever since that year and a half, uh, well, I, actually, I guess that's two years now. Um, yeah, two years. Wow. Um, <laughs> time, flies. <laughs> time flies. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, ever since then, I've been so like ambitious and like I've been driving and grinding and, and um, just trying to, because I'm finally gain, gaining those little little nuggets of respect. Finally, not respect, like, but um, you feel you're progressing on the uh, path, and and like being and being appreciated. That oh my god, there's some there's something here, you know, like there's something there's something good here. And hearing that about your work is very very satisfying, especially having put because I I, mean, I have three years of uh, of um, uh, multimedia communications uh, credits at the University of St. Boniface and I didn't even finish the program and like I've been wanting this like vindication of being able to work in this field even though okay well I know I don't have the, I don't I don't, I don't have the diploma I mm -hmm. didn't graduate but I have you know all the expertise well most of the expertise anyways like uh, everything from I, I have uh, credits in, in in Photoshop classes. I know how to I know how to run a studio, like a music studio, like all this type of just uh, multimedia related stuff. But but uh, yeah, no, that's my. If I were to give one big piece of advice, would be marbles in the bag, jackknife in the pool. It's all you, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yeah, you. It does hit those jump moments. It seems that that's something that a lot of people share when you start off on your journey mm -hmm. sometimes it is that you're in school and you go i know what i want to do yeah. and i have to go towards this because it's honest to who i am as a person and what i want to accomplish and you have to do everything so yeah put all your marbles in the bag and take the jump uh one of the things i, I was going to ask too is just how many people thought you were completely crazy for doing what you're doing at the beginning and and how much maybe backlash or just like did you get the negativity with it too to, okay. <laughs> to answer your question, every single person, friends, family, except my mom. Oh. <laughs> and then I started. And well, when I was, I don't know if the, I don't know if this counts, but um, I made a I made a lot of money in French acting when I was uh, eleven and twelve. I was in an anti drug and alcohol series. I made I made more money than a 13 year old ever would need at that time at the time <laughs> yeah but uh um and uh being thrust in um can you repeat the question again uh, so uh, basically just the negativity or the how many people thought you were right, crazy right, right, for doing so what you did essentially I okay, so I did that so people um, automatically oh he wants to be an acting oh an actor you a lot of people out of because acting is something you see everywhere. What you, everybody watches a TV. Everybody will. Um, if you don't watch TV, you, you watch uh, your favorite TV show on uh, your phone, your tablet, uh, your Netflix, or even then uh, ads you can't avoid on a on a I don't know a subway wall or, or whatever. If you're mm -hmm. in Toronto, I guess. Um, but uh, 
no matter where you go, acting is is there. So uh, therefore, everybody thinks and wants and believes. Oh, I could do that. It's easy as hell. So you get. Uh, it's very discourageable that way. Um, so a lot of people didn't really believe. Um, like like oh yeah, he could probably. I mean, you're you you're a good performer because they they, they've only seen me on stage. They've only heard stories and stuff like that. But then I got that film Starline with the National Screen Institute, and then that's when I that's like I was saying earlier when um, that started changing. And then finally, my mom, <laughs> who who never gave up on me, uh, no, um, uh, started being my friend, my my close friends or. Some some close friends started, you know, saying, "Wow, you should do this and this. Wow, you should uh, maybe try stand up. You should do." Th-. And I got more emboldened by their by people's comments around me that were like sincere criticism, and I was finally like, "Wow, um, maybe because I I want to say that, but at the same time, I knew all along that like." I that I I I just don't give a flying food, <laughs> but yeah, no, I I I just I I've known from the beginning if I if I because I do have anxiety and like I do get anxious, but when I'm on stage and when I perform, if when I have control um, of an audience, man, there's nothing more like like thrilling and and uh, empowering. Yeah, yeah and like and like I I I relish the moments. I love emceeing events. I love uh, uh, you know making a uh, uh, delegating a room like like almost a symphony almost uh, when you're acting on film or theater or you know all of it anything. So you knew because of the feeling that you had on stage that it was something that you needed to accomplish and needed to do, and so it didn't matter that you maybe had that criticism in the beginning. And and I also find that usually sometimes one supporter is enough in a funny way. Like when you have someone, even if it's yourself, even if it's just yourself, even if you have, if if you're listening and you and inside everybody around you tells you that acting is is too crazy, but you know you have the balls to get motivation and ambition to keep grinding every day and not giving up and and knowing you have this like this like special little talent that you're like oh yeah i want to show this talent to everybody and i'm gonna blast it use it do it don't just sit around and and take the easy way by by moving up on a, on a job i love i love bold moves i love people who take bold moves so that's 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 again another piece of advice i'd give out there no but, that's yeah that's perfect because i think that applies no matter where oh, yeah. your talent lies or what you're passionate about is find that thing and go towards it and life will be that much better. I find it's, for me, it's bridging the fence because I, I have all these projects and all these things and I dip my feet and it's waiting for that jump moment that I know that this is what I need to be all in, but that I can still provide food in the fridge and a roof over my head. So there's that. Yeah, it's not it's as a, easy as just the, It's a weird yeah. balancing act, but mm-hmm. it's it's great to know that and yet I do trust the process. I go, one day, this, all this work, all these things, all these steps are going to make sense because I'm going to be there and I'm going to get to look back and go, well, if I had never done this, it wouldn't le- have led to this life that I'm living. And I have the vision of, of what that looks like and, and what I'm going to be accomplishing, what 
even what my place looks like. I don't know. It's funny to just, once you start asking yourself, what do I want from life? Yeah. You start to head towards that. And one day you wake up, maybe it's not exactly what you envisioned, but it's exactly the right place. I noticed that there's, there's a lot of that, a lot of dreaming though, too. Um, like, like I wish people would, like, I, I call it the maybe effect. Like, you know how somebody clicks maybe to go to a party? Mm-hmm. It's like <laughs> people call themselves actors but have not, but like, or, or I don't want to, you know, I'm, I'm phrasing this in a negative way here. Um, I'll, I'll, it's more along the lines of um, people will do like, they'll, they'll, they'll sing at a birthday party or something and then they'll, they'll brand themselves as, and, and by all means, like it's, it's a first step to anything if you, or to, to start making music or, ma- or doing your craft. But there's a, str- like, it's not about jackknifing is what is uh, what I want to get back to. Cause I, cause there is a strategic plan that you need to like follow and not screw up. Cause it's online, to, especially these days online, it is so easy to lose credibility and, oh, sure. um, uh, and all respect and all support and fans, et cetera, et cetera, uh, with one single sentence or one or uh, one single piece of content or whatever it is. And we see it happen daily. And it's oh god, yeah, oh yeah. You know what's funny? It's just along these lines. So I'm really interested in reading Aubrey Marcus's new book, and not to call him out because he's obviously way more powerful than I am. <laughs> he's the CEO of On It. Um, and I'm actually interested. I'm still interested in reading his new book, but I saw a post about him going to the club and how he only needed two drugs, dancing and snooze to keep partying all day. And he was basically, so like, uh, basically (laughs) tobacco, but not chewing tobacco, like the little packets or whatever that you put. So it's, you get the nicotine or whatever the, the, the tobacco boost and like you feel energetic and whatnot. But it was like, it I guess it makes sense that somebody who works in supplements is like, basically, this is another supplement that, you know, yeah, it's, there's a drug in it and it's giving me this extra energy. But it's it's like it seemed disingenuous to be like, I'm preaching living your best life. Oh, and I then, hate that. And oh. then yet I'm going to tell you to take this like this snooze that I do because it's going to make your partying in your life that much better. And I'm like, that seems like bullshit to me. Yeah, yeah. That honestly seems like I read it and I went. I don't know if I, I believe you anymore in anything you say because because it's like you're 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 saying to do this. You're basically supporting this thing that also gives you mouth cancer and kills you. So it's like really are we? It's like that sellout moment, right? I couldn't agree more. Where yeah. where people you're willing to to put aside whatever you believe in for more money and more notoriety and, and whatever, more and monetary support. Like, from, that. like, oh, no, he's just having a drink. It's all right. Oh, it's just a cigarette. But to, to give you, to, to uh, make your, to help you make your point there, like, for example, um, to bring up the issue of marijuana, um, it, like, it is fa- like, it is factual that, excuse me, um, that um, a pill of Tylenol, um, a cup of, a cup of coffee, um, uh, a damn cigarette it is all worse than smoke. What well, than smoking? Uh, uh, let's say you got a, a legal crop of a medicinal marijuana that wasn't laced, uh, that was totally uh, government regulated, and if if you were to measure them in harm beside each other, the the stigma is so strong with with pot that people see. The, the the coffee a day people 
or I, I'm not even saying the coffee a day people because that's me, freak. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, like, the people who the, the the people who like talk like how you just said, like I take my coffee and I have my and, and I have my cigarette and and oh no, but uh, the um, uh, other people are. Uh, um, do these unhealthy things. I forget, I forget exactly what, uh, what along the lines of what you're saying there. So basically just the disingenuous of supporting yes. products that you, you, that aren't healthy for people that you probably shouldn't, if you're claiming to be some kind of not self-help guru, but just somebody who wants to help people in the world. Mm -hmm. So it's losing sense of what's genuine and what's real in the world. And that's something personally that I never want to lose sight of. Yeah. And that I find is really tough when you start to hit those points of su success because everybody wants something from you, and it, uh, and and you have something to offer, right? Like you, when when you're famous, yeah, especially if you're famous, and this company comes along and is like, hey, here's a bunch of money if you just say this one thing. Oh yeah, your name becomes an asset essentially. Eh? Like that's and it's it's funny to just look into marketing that way and just see that that a lot of our world exists. Like think of the way we get like. We shouldn't be using gasoline anymore. No. We could probably be yeah. completely electric if they said in the 50s, oh, this is this this product that we take from the world is is basically polluting our environment and 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 creating all sorts of havoc in the world. We should probably find a new way. Think of we probably could have evolved these cars to the point that everybody is driving them, but the oil industry is a multi-billion, billion-dollar industry, and the, none of those old white men want to lose yeah, their money. Yeah. So, it, I mean, it makes sense. If the I'm a billionaire, I don't want to lose my billions of dollars, of but why not be the one billionaire that goes, you know what, I'm going to invest it all in a better technology that isn't as harmful to our planet because... I maybe want my grandchildren's grandchildren to be alive to see this beautiful world. And it's like, that's not going to be left. Like, we've already went past the point of of return to as it was, which actually it was a great, there was a Joe Rogan podcast where they talked mm. a little bit about, yes, it's not what it was, but it is what it is. And we have to go forward the best way possible. I remember, I, yeah. Yeah. I and it was, I, I like that. I like not blaming former humans for what they did because mm -hmm. it's their ingenuity that allowed for us to live the current way that we do, mm -hmm. which is pretty awesome. We're safe. We have roofs over our head. There's, Services, you know, uh, we have water that comes, we can put a cup under a thing and it would, gives I, a, under a tap and it gives us yeah, water. Just the, I didn't appreciate plumbing so much <laughs> as, as I saw this twilight zone episode yesterday. <laughs> Speaking of twilight zone. There you go. Yeah, no, it's just uh, crazy to think that. Well, what was the twilight? Oh, episode? <laughs> It's a. Uh, it's actually one of my favorite ones. It's called "A Hundred Miles Over the Ridge," and it's like this, like uh, 1943. Uh, I even remember the day. I, it, was so, it was so. Uh, uh, it's this like uh, convoy of carriages uh, going out west to California, trying to find a better life. And uh, essentially, what happens is uh, they're like, and then the kids or the the main father um, of of uh, the carriage. Uh, uh, with all the kids and the wife inside, uh, it says, I'm going to go look over this ridge, see if I can find uh, any water or anything, because there's just in this like gnarly desert. And, uh, and if, you, if, if you guys know the show Black Mirror, mm -hmm. yeah, I love Black, Black Mirror's, uh, Black Mirror's, uh, what do you call it, that format. It, it's, yeah, it's highly it, inspired it, by Twilight. It, yeah, exactly. It's, like it's like a movie every, Twi Twilight Zone's built the exact same way. I don't know if you ever remember the 90s show, The Outer Limits, which is the same I, idea. I love yeah. them all. I, yeah. love them. I don't even care. Yeah, I love them all. But, uh, oh, and, and uh, 
to to break off for a second, um, uh, Black Mirror did it did an episode of Twilight Zone that yeah. already ex- or <laughs> Outer Limits that already Outer existed. Limited, yeah. The the Roach one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, sorry. Uh, I left off. Oh yeah, hundred miles over the ridge. So he goes over the ridge, um, and essentially he he goes into the future in 1962. <laughs> 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 this is a Twilight Zone episode. Yeah. Uh, so and then. Uh, and then, and then and then the guy you know he pours them water he's like water's coming out of this of this of this tube uh, oh you know he's just like amazed by the by the water and and I was like damn like plumbing is like a is is a pretty new uh, pretty new thing like <laughs> just two hundred years ago uh, Romans were shitting or not Romans but like people are shitting in the streets and. Well, not, Still not literally, in California, but apparently they're homeless have a huge issue. Oh, God. Uh, San yeah. Francisco, especially San yeah. Francisco. Yeah. yeah, that's sad. High, high living costs and all <laughs> that over there. Dang. Oh, man. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it feels like all conversations always come back to Twilight Zone for me. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I, I love the show so much. So those reference points. But yeah, you have to be grateful for the world that we live in. But obviously mm-hmm. there's there's better ways that we can do things and it takes creative minds and creative people to work towards that. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's weird to try and when you have people living longer, it's like you have more opportunity. It's like the weeds grow and they get older and the power absolute power corrupts absolutely. You don't want to give up your power when you're an 80-year-old male that has whatever Everything. 1% <laughs> of the world's wealth or whatever oh, it is. That, that's and, crazy. And yeah. so... It makes sense that you go a little bit mad with power, but maybe that's that's the downside of, of modern-day medicine and people living longer is you have people that have more time to accumulate wealth and power, and and so for the rest of us, it's you yeah. can you can suffer along the way too. Uh, and I think nowadays we have to be especially care, uh, careful of companies and corporations that look like or seem like they want to help people and they're more interested in the money. Uh, pharmaceuticals are obviously yeah, the obvious scary. ones about that and, yeah. and how much they can charge on something or they how much they can hold back something that can cure something, right? And, like, you can't even trust your own doctor because, like, the doctor will right. be paid a certain amount of money to, to shop Prescribe a certain you. drug. Yeah. And, like, do give them this drug instead of We've this We've talked drug. about this before in the podcast. Really, eh? it's, a, it's about... Ridiculous. Um, and, yeah, especially in North America, it's, it's a huge issue and people being addicted uh, to drugs and, and to imagine well, opioid crisis, a world... Yeah. yeah a, a world where that wasn't available to those people, they drive, they drive them mad, right? Um, and it's not even that, not even pharmaceuticals, but other companies as well. And this was talked about a little bit on Joe Rogan's podcast. I can't remember the name of the company, but Warren Buffett invested $100, $100 million into it or something. And it was, uh, instead of, it was an idea of instead of taking full samples of blood, all they had to do is prick your finger and they can tell you whether or not you had diseases and anything wrong with your blood. Turns out it didn't, never worked, uh-huh. um, and it was like a big scam company. And, oh, my God. Um, yeah, all these big people invested hundreds of millions of dollars in this company, and I think they're being taken to court now. But wow. It's like, to, You'd think imagine the so damage s- they've done, right? Oh, people fuck. think like, oh, no, I don't have any STDs, or I don't have anything wrong with me. Ooh. I don't have high cholesterol, and it turns out you actually did. Yeah, and they, they got this clean bill of health, which doesn't is, doesn't know. seem like that's far away, that type of no, technology, I, I, though. So I think everything... maybe that's why, though. Like, people are so easily buy into it, yeah. too. Because it seems realistic. Yeah. It, it, you think of computers in the old days and the giant wires that went into the supercomputers <laughs> yeah. that basically had the power of, like, two a kilobytes. DOS, a 95 <laughs> DOS or whatever yeah. it was. Two babies. And, yeah. <laughs> basically couldn't do anything for you. And you had to, like, punch in the code to use any application that you wanted to. Okay. Um, 
But yeah, and then now we have laptops that are like, we don't think of it twice. And, oh, and even the power, probably more power in our phones, actually definitely in our phones than those the, computers back then. And the space shuttle, there's more power in, you, in, in, our, in, our, in our smartphones today than there ever was in, uh, in the Apollo 11 program, for example. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's, if you ever, like, the, that makes me think the moon landing's a little bit of bull. But. Well, <laughs> well if, uh, if they did, in fact, land on the moon, you think that's insane with the amount of technology that they used. I forget about how much it yeah. ended up being. It was a lot for the day, but it was like 60 kilobytes in total or something that they had. In yeah, data. no, it was a small, it was a, it was a very, very rushed operation. Like, I, I was on the fence of, on well, this, all about the, beating the, the Russians, issue. right? Yeah. Yeah, for so long. Because if you look at the same, because um, Apollo 8, um, like at least proved that you can go around the moon because we have because we, uh, 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 I don't know if you remember the Apollo eight in nineteen sixty eight. Uh, what their their mission was simply just to orbit around the moon and then oops sorry That's and then uh, make their way back uh, back to Earth and just to kind of like because nobody knew about space travel and how uh, the gravity of the moon is gonna is gonna affect you know this is the first time we've the humans have experienced gravity on another bodily. Uh, uh, rocks so to speak in yeah. outer space so um uh, they, they took those nice beautiful pictures of the back of the moon and it, and it was uh, mind-blowing you know with the with that super smooth surface that nobody was ex- expecting everybody's expecting those uh, those those craters. famous uh, big craters to see but according to flat earth theorists those are all fake <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure everything's fake all i mean the there's a conspiracy the for everything nowadays yeah. and what i hate is that there are actual real conspiracies where where they may not be as sexy as as you know as uh, as as stanley kubrick faking the moon landing but there's still crimes, uh, like for example, uh, whatever uh, a, a CFO that's funneling money to his Cayman Islands account, like yeah. that, like that kind, like like if there's a conspiracy of people that are doing that, then that, then you know, conspiracies exist. They're, you <laughs> yeah. just it's when when you're labeled a conspiracy theorist, I, like I ever since that label came out, I feel like every every time um, sketchiness on the parts of the authorities are going to be mentioned in the future. I think that we're in a dark place right now with, with this, oh, conspiracy theorist, you know, label, boom, right there. And yeah. I think we live in a world of labels. It's, it's things like Sandy Hook or 9-11 or, or whatever that, that seem like, oh, there might be more to this story, but then to deny that Sandy Hook happened or to deny that 9 most people don't deny that it happened, but most people say it's an inside job. So maybe there's a little bit of research well, you can yeah. do there, but it's like, no, the, it never happened. And it's like a lot of people, there's so many people that know casualties, people that died and, and workers that helped out that oh, yeah, there's no doubt, yeah. in that. So it seems weird when you get to that level of skepticism that's just beyond beyond normal, like it's Normal good reason. to be curious. It's yeah. good to be skeptical of mm-hmm. the information that you're fed, especially through newspapers and news outlets that usually have some kind of agenda. Because, again, you go up to the hierarchy and somebody's in charge that wants to paint a picture of certain things. So it's it's nice to be curious, but it's also like you have to believe that... Your own opinion. Uh, well, you also just have to have some sort of sanity and come yeah. at things to be like... Why? Sense. Why would they even have well, the inclination yeah. to do something? I think people need lines. to realize too that uh, that the worst measure tooling tool to measure with is your own accountability. It, it's like in that. What sense? Uh, so it's like that test where if you get whatever twenty people in a circle 
and I whisper a story in your oh. ear, and by the time it gets back to you, it's completely changed. Okay. Like you, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you can do that over and over again. It's it's the it's our accountability, our ability to account the past is flawed by our memory. So yeah. we can remember things wrong, and it <laughs> happens all the time. Makes it, it, when people go to court, or when people commit a crime, and oh yeah, witness how uh, statements are, are are famously uh, so yeah. Inaccurate. So yeah, of course, there's going to be conspiracy theories that come out of things like 9/11, and people are like, oh, that looked like a different plane like, yeah. in my memory, yeah. even though it wasn't really. Yeah. You just thought it was right. So people need to realize, like, I'm not saying that there's some conspiracy theories. I'm sure are correct in some ways, but people's imaginations get the better of them. Yeah, and they want to believe that there's this very structured, um, you know, global elitism. Like, I'm not saying that there that there isn't uh, rich billionaires, you know, uh, um, meeting, uh, maybe maybe doing some shady uh, black market deals and stuff like that. But like to think, in my op- opinion, to think that the world is run under like some hierarchy of like shadowy proportions that controls the whole entire world to me sounds a little like where we want we don't like as humans where we uh, instinctively don't want chaos you know yeah. we we grew up with with the idea of religion we're the only earth that's nice and simple okay but now we're confronted with all these all these stars okay well maybe there's no planets around them oh shit there's planets around them <laughs> Oh shit! Okay, well there can't be life on them. Oh shit! There's some planets with life on them, <laughs> or, or there's some planets that may have life on them that have oxygen. Shit! Um, so it's just like a, a cascading effect, kind of like that. But um, yeah, yeah, it's interesting to just know the developments that have happened. It's almost the truth is stranger than fiction sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Right? Can the things that are happening around us are just. Like the research coming out and the things that are evolving, we would have never expected even 20 years ago. And yet they're they're saying that they might cure death by like 2060, which I don't. <laughs> I think they're they're far off from that. But like AI enhancements and things, they don't seem very far around the corner. So there's there's some interesting, even moral dilemmas, but also just interesting developments that are going to happen in the next near future. One of the things I also wanted to know is what your daily routine was like and if you have any unique practices that you follow. Ah, good question. Um, So uh, daily routine, uh, pre-Starline or post-Starline? Post. So what Uh, what you currently do. All right. So um, basically, uh, it would start with some studying, a lot of studying, um, especially when I was doing both plays, when I was playing the... uh, the Voyager uh, in French and uh, playing uh, three different characters in the, in the sport of the engineer for the Fringe Festival. Um, uh, so essentially, you know, wake up. Studying is usually one of the first things I, I, I do, you know, get myself hyped up. Um, I, I, really, I, I really enjoy... Uh, I, I've ne- okay, well, I used to... For those who... Don't know that much about me. I used to be uh, um, a sponsored skateboarder from age 15 to age 18, 17-ish. And um, so skateboarding still today, not competitively, if I'm nowhere near uh, <laughs> how good some of my friends are. But I, I, it is an absolute escape. Um, the one really non-creative thing that I do um, that I would consider in, in the more in the realm of sports that really um, is an escape if that kind of answers your question is skateboarding to me like that 
really is. Uh, it's funny though because I would say skateboarding is maybe one of the cr- most creative things because you have to learn how to move your body in yeah, a way to flip point. the board. Yeah. It, so I still think it is creative. It, 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 requires it definitely that, is. That because yeah. in, in a team sport, it's not like you can. Well, I guess you can invent like a spinorama type move, but like, like you know, in, in hockey or whatever. But uh, you're absolutely right. Yeah, no, skate, skateboarding is. Uh, I mean, it's it's only uh, fifty. 50 years old and uh barely new compared to a lot of other oh yeah and um and you know it's still evolving people still changing the sport so it it definitely is it it is an an art of its own um but a more physical one at that (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah like when i'm uh when i'm acting i'm not that scared about getting a concussion or anything (laughs) (laughs) so that's so between studying skateboarding and then okay, you have yeah. any so, other routines that you so follow? so yeah so that so okay so usually so in the morning and, and it's always in the morning so I'll study and because I I have usually a day a, um, a weekday um, off so I take advantage of that and go to the skate park in the morning so I'll do so it my mornings always always consist consist of a uh, wake and bake with muffins. You know, or what did you think I was talking about? Um, <laughs> yeah, no, you just have a good hearty breakfast, and uh, and I always always starts. You know, you start that the, the creative juices start flowing, and uh, honestly, every single every single weekday morning has started the same. So, wake up, study, or skateboard, skateboard, then study until I either have a uh, commitment, whether it's a rehearsal, which I have a lot of. <laughs> And <clears throat> it's it's very sparse to to answer your question in a brief statement. It's very different every day because I have auditions some places and then random um very vague um uh meeting like like somebody will message me a very vague amount of information for a meeting and then it'll turn out to be some great uh new film that I can audition for or not <laughs> or some or like something that's clearly like not been thought out very well and somebody and or or whatever but i i like going out there so to speak so my my afternoons if i'm not working if i'm not working and i do extra work too you know everybody's got to get the extra money everybody's got to make yeah. some uh, as a matter of fact um those of you who have netflix including you too <laughs> um this summer Forrest Whitaker, uh, he, if you, some of you probably know that the, that he was here um, the, uh, recently. Some yeah. people have pictures with them and stuff. I actually got to uh, be a featured extra in How It Ends, the movie that they shot here. Nice. So when you guys watch How It Ends, I'll I'll uh, I'll most likely be like Militia Man number five or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, credited I, role. There yeah. You go. So look, look for this scene. They're, I don't know the I don't know the, the exact story. They're very because it's a big big production. You know, it's yeah. a, um, you didn't get the full script for the oh god no <laughs> not I can't, you're not even allowed to talk to the director. But the director and okay, this is kind of embarrassing. But he, he I was originally supposed to stand. We all had firearms training. We were very low little oh, wow. amount of people. I was a featured extra. I'm all excited, you know. Um, and this is like one of those uh, uh, one of those gigs I got right after Starline. So like I'm still pretty green at the like professional. Um, on set, so I just want to shut up, just do do what I gotta do. And Theo James from Divergent was there, you know, like heartthrob yeah. Theo James. Oh my god! And um, <laughs> and so I'm holding this like old old carbine, like from like World War II. 
And because it's supposed to be the end of the world where you all, all get these weapons. And then their car comes up, Theo James and Forrest Whitaker. And so at first they're, the, they're just supposed to be stopped by a sheriff because the town is essentially like a, a militia slash police force trying to protect their town. And it, as far as I know, I'll try this, I'll try this, uh, I'll try to wrap this up as quick here. But uh, essentially what happens is the director sees my arm, says, uh, can we get that kid to walk and point the gun at Forrest um, uh, when they come by? And then, the, and then the officer push him out of the way. I love how that, that kid's veins look. I'm like, <laughs> and I'm looking at my arm I'm like, okay, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, he, and, and this is the first time the director talked to me. And he was like, uh, and he was like introducing me as if uh, I didn't know his name, but he was like, you know, when somebody introduced you with their full name, hi, oh, yeah. I'm Andy Rogers. Nice to meet you. You, you tend to think, oh, maybe he's famous or something. <laughs> that's a, I don't, I don't remember the name. I don't, I don't know Andy Rogers, but uh, yeah. So uh, my, so he's like, grip that gun as hard as you can, make them veins bulge out. I'm not even kidding. That's what he, that's what he told me. So and and then I got a, a bump in my pay for uh, for doing this this little extra walk. That's awesome. So look for that scene. Me going to point a gun at Forrest Whitaker and then getting brushed off by the And being by the extra chair. vascular yeah. while doing it. I'm definitely going to point that out, like pause it and like, where's those veins? Look at those veins. I like to leave that part of the story out sometimes, but uh, I am I, like I am it. pretty psyched on that though. Yeah, that's the awesome. pure honesty. That's pretty incredible. I also wanted to know if there's any books that, that have helped you on your journey and what your favorites are. Uh, honestly, this, I can I read a lot of history books, but one book that's really resonated with me is, is not a novel, not a history book, not a science book, but a biography, the biography, um, a biography by Frank Sinatra. I am a huge Frank Sinatra fan, not just his music, but just his, um, Political stances at the times, his refusal to play in, in segregated clubs, uh, the Rat Pack, embracing Sammy Davis Jr. As a, as a Jewish black man in the 60s, having him a part of his team, having um, uh, uh, really blazing a trail that was not yet. Martin Luther King had only started really ramping up um, his protests and uh, and. Uh, like a Robert Kennedy and um, and stuff like that were only like the the movement was starting to culminate culminate more with the Vietnam War toward mm-hmm. towards the end of the sixties nineteen sixty eight except for example when uh, MLK died but um, yeah no I'm uh, I'm big into uh, the Frank the Frank Sinatra um, uh, ideal like what he stands for his music like I can I can I, I I'm not a good singer but I mean I can, I, I know the lyrics like all the songs you know like songs. one of my favorite so I I I like certain Frank Sinatra not all of it he's actually he's maybe one of the funniest like I'm passionate about music but I have him as one of my favorite songs of all time is that's life and I can sing. I know every word to that song. And nice. It's, it just speaks to that part of your soul that you you really gravitate towards it. But then he also has a Christmas song with Dean Martin. Yeah. And it's called "It's a Marshmallow World." Oh. And it is the worst is there... Christmas song or song. So I I worked at uh, I will have to hear. This. I worked at a liquor store when I turned eighteen, and it was we had a playlist of maybe fifty songs that came on at Christmas time. But you heard it from mid-November to the end, till after Christmas, until it was basically New Year's Eve. 
And so for a month and a half, all you heard was the, were these 50 songs. And the one that stuck out was It's a Marshmallow World. And it was just atrocious. <laughs> I just, after a while, it's just like you you would hear it every three or four hours on the hour. Made you rethink you, your whole life? Yeah. Oh, you, my you, God. You wanted to go run in front of a, a bus or whatever. and just, But, uh, yeah, I, I lived through that experience. But I still appreciate some Frank Sinatra music. That's pretty dramatic. <laughs> I lived <laughs> through that experience. I, I lived through it. Barely. Some people, some people by, went by to war. Friend. I lived through that. <laughs> I lived through listening to Frank Sinatra. <laughs> you you survived World War II. World. Well, well, if I, we had to, would you rather listen to Frank Sinatra's It's a Marshmallow World every time you listen to a song, or I'm trying to think of an, an ultimatum. I'll, I'll have to listen to that when, when, when I yeah. leave here today. <laughs> I wish I had a good ultimatum for you. Um, so what's the writing process like, either joke writing or screenplay writing for mm. you? Ah, I like that. Um, I love writing. I've always, always loved writing. Um as far as the scripts and the films and the the, and the, the plays I've been in, I've had zero uh, impact on the writing just because it's stuff that I auditioned for. You know, it's I um I understand it comes with the job, uh, especially you know uh, like, like I I've always wanted to make my own make my own um, projects. Like I've I've scripts and scripts of just you know me stuff like just stuff I've never shown to people, but um, I've always been known as a as a person that's decently well versed with the pen so to speak <laughs> um yeah no uh, but the writing process is is hard um but if you have if if you have a central idea just like look at it as one of those like rubber band balls like as long as you have that little ball in the middle you know you could wrap more story around that more story more story more story yeah i know it's a little more it's a little less visual when you hear this but uh, it's like <laughs> like one of those rubber band balls where you just you, you add another layer and add another layer and then the more and more the bigger and bigger it gets the easier easier it is when you're building your story mm -hmm. but you but it's about getting that first kernel oh my god this would make an amazing story and um i mean i'm even reluctant to share a couple because like i've uh i've i've always I know one day I want to bring, especially one of them, because they're very because it's very relevant. But, um, yeah, no, writing is uh, it's it it's tough or fun. Honestly, it really depends on the person. It yeah, you have I, to be inspired to want to write, and you have to have that drive. And the content, in the first place. yeah, exactly. If you're writing, let's say a column that your boss told you to write, and you're a good writer and stuff like that, then that's no, that's no fun. Yeah. So I understand that. But, um, yeah. It's tough to be inhibited in that way. It is nice to have that process as completely your own and be able to develop your own ideas, no matter what it is. But I think what always comes up to me is the start with why. If you have a why to the story or what you're writing or what you're doing, uh, whether it's something like journaling, because I can find that that's a very helpful personal mm -hmm. experience where it's just it's that writing process and... Oftentimes you can sink into something like that. And it's almost better not to think, I find, when you write. It's just like write words to the page. And all of a sudden you gather that momentum. I call it building then, a skeleton. Yeah. Because then you like, then you, then, you, yeah. then you start fixing it up. You know, you, you add the muscle tissue and then you, that, you know, you, you, put all, you put all your concrete bullet point ideas. That's like the spine, the skull, you know. That makes a lot of sense, actually. I've always seen it, yeah. Yeah, to break it down. Well, they always used to do that when you built essays or to give you the skeleton, yeah. and then you had to fill in the points, and there then that's go. how you started your, your structure. 
I always find that I'm a very unstructured writer because <laughs> it's, I think, almost conversationally that I'll go off on tangents because I think it's relevant to the central point. But a lot of people... Do you like writing? Is that something you do a lot? Or? Yeah. So actually, I talked about it last time, but that mm-hmm. I started writing a book. I do want to finish a book in the next year. Oh, is, wow. Is my That's ambitious. Nice. Goal. Now, having said that, it's finding time for projects and the energy and the, and the passion for it because I find writing... It's, it's, it's weird. It's not work when you get into it. It's work to get your mind into that place where yeah. you're just like... In the zone. Because I, I find I have ideas going into chapters or whatever I'm writing, and then I get going, and then I become very self-critical. And I go, should I say it this way? <laughs> and, I, and then I spend way too much time on one sentence when I should just keep getting things out. So it's that it's that stop and start, and it's it's trying to get momentum with it. Sometimes you got to find that mindset to write into, or other times it's like you can try, but all you write is garbage and ends up just being a throwaway. Yeah, and and, and and some other times you're just like a machine. You like yeah. lose track of time. You're just doing so well. It's really. It, it, I think it's for for me. I don't like do you, for for you example. Um, uh, for you, for example, I should say, uh, do you start with like a basic idea or do you just kind of like you put the paper down and like let the idea come to like like tell me about tell me because everybody i'm I'm always curious to how people's um writing processes are my process started as writing down a bunch of chapter ideas so this is before i even decided i wanted to start writing or start doing a book and i actually just went here's 50 chapter ideas and typically I'll open the book to, I'll try and find that page because it's buried deep in my notebook. And then I go, the first one I, I look at is usually the one I write about because it's just like, I'll just go on that topic. I try and get my brain thinking about that. What could I include? What's what's going to be maybe help drive that point home or whatever the chapter is going to be about. But uh, yeah, it's almost that it's like, so you're building by it chance, as you're going a by bit? chance, and yeah, and it's and it's just kind of a fun. It's almost a little game that I play because even sometimes I'm like, I don't know if I want to write about that, and then I look through other chapter ideas and I go, No, I'm going to write about that one. <laughs> so every time that it's happened, it's been the first one that I look at, and you just you keep going, and then it's usually until a time that I find, okay, that's a good stopping point. Wow, and it's then, interesting how so many people have so many different types of writings. I'm a uh, uh, methods and stuff like that that yeah. that works for them better because for me if i don't have like if i don't like like for example do you have an ending already in mind like do you have like a twist or an ending or, or like a like a some like that because that's that's the way the the rubber ball analogy that i just made yeah, yeah. um uh, it's kind of like that's that's kind of like i want like that's that's the way i kind of write but do you tell me about your like? So mine's very different because I would say it's a professional development yeah. literature. Because you're is, like almost going as uh, as you go like chapter one, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it all relates, I would say, back to this and and wanting to help people and make a positive difference in people's lives. And I went, how? What is the best way I can do this? And that's when the ideas start to evolve. And so podcasting and being able to reach people across the globe i yeah, mean if we cool. if we can have that kind of reach oh, but uh, and, and build that kind of reach so it's it's doing things like that um i do want to do more hands-on like volunteering within the community because it's nice to help to actually have that that oh that yeah. personal impact and that personal stake showing your face is a big i i learned that even 
Oh man, that's I, that's such an important thing too. I, mm-hmm. I I feel like I have to say that to want want to be actors or or um, uh, show your face at places everywhere. You know, go to events whether or not you're performing, whether or not you like the subject. There are networking is like the most important thing in in your career if you have that genuine skill and uh, and no clear path yet. Yeah, become involved in the community. Whatever community 100%. you want to be involved in, surround yourself with those people and yes. learn from them and become and become known. Like, like come out because there's so I'm many not, ba- basement artists. Is what I kind of yeah. call it's them. It's not just yeah. important in theater too. It's and, and anything these days. Oh, connection, yeah, yeah. No, connection, I mean. yeah. connections, kind of rule the world at the moment. Um, and the more connections you have, the more you're gonna go places. Yeah. Were you sunglasses in your back pocket? Yeah, that was very uncomfortable <laughs> for a while I'm there. I'm surprised you went an hour and a half, <laughs> over an hour and a half with those there. I had a good old uh, <laughs> a good old lens poking me in the old cheek there. But yeah, back on the writing thing too, I just wanted to say I kind of relate to more your style of writing. Mm-hmm. I think I can't just go from chapter mm-hmm. one to chapter two. It's I like the rubber band theory that you use, the ball rubber the bands. Center. Yeah, and yeah. just to, like how does one thing in the beginning relate to the ending? And yeah. Like, with every rubber band, like every little notch in that band has to mean something to me. Right? I, I, I can't put something in that doesn't mean something, and I want this kind of cross relation between exactly. everything, right? Yeah. yeah so exactly. I like I like your analogy of that. I think cool. it works really cool. well. Yeah. Yeah. I by by no means do I go in order of what what I think chapter one is going to be. Though it's going to be a matter of tying yeah. it all in and and making there's sure no that wrong it flows. Right? I mean, there's, yeah. No, there's there no really wrong isn't. Answer. Yeah. Like. Sorry, you're gonna. No, no, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just gonna say there's there's a no wrong answer, and some people have asked such cool. There's like some comedians don't even write any, like you know Bill Burr the comedian apparently yeah. apparently doesn't write anything down. He just kind of remembers like okay this bit goes after this bit and then this bit goes after this bit. All right, let's go. Yeah, <laughs> like right, like that that to me that sounds crazy. But um, yeah, no, I've, everybody has a different style or a different. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's. Cool. Yeah. You really have to find what works for you. Yeah. I find I prefer Try actually writing with a pen, but then I'll usually write. If I sit down to write, I write with my, my laptop or my computer. So it's tough because yeah. I'm going to have to synthesize all I, these ideas yeah. eventually. No, you're not wrong. I, I like writing with a pen. I like, I like, like jotting down very crude draftly. Um, yeah. <laughs> using uh, nice vocabulary. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. No. I just. I'm uh, always on the fence between the two because I love writing uh, on paper. Just to get the idea. it feels more authentic than just typing it out. Mm-hmm. However, I'm much quicker at typing yes. than I ever am yes. writing, yeah. so the ideas flow a lot faster. The only thing that writing goes um, uh, is is a good way to start for me is because I I can like draw stuff like like I want this to look like this and I'll like draw it out beside you know like, or or do whatever. Um, and then I'll like tra- transfer that to Word or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> That's too funny. Um, so, sorry, go ahead. Uh, no, I was going to go into another question, but if you had a follow-up. Well, I, I was going to relate it back into a question I've been waiting for a while to ask. Sure. Just, just kind of in terms of like future aspirations, what kind of where you are now and what, what you're kind of looking to do in the future in terms of just acting, writing, and everything. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad you asked. So I've always known that I wanted to be in the entertainment community and work in it for the rest of my life. I've known that, like, and, and when I say that, I'm talking the big umbrella that covers everything from live performances to, um, to filming, to, uh, uh, to being behind the scenes editing, to uh, 
it being in front or behind the camera, any type of work in the entertainment business, whether I'm sweeping the cameraman's feet, you know, I don't, you know, I don't care. I, that environment, I've never, like, I've had a lot of jobs in my day um, that weren't um, uh, industry related, like, like uh, entertainment industry related. So, and I've, I can't, I feel like if I don't do something that, cause like tw in 12 hour shift acting, yes, it is long and, and hard, but it's nowhere near as hard as like a regular job's 12 hour. And I, and I'm not doing that much different stuff. It's just, I'm somewhere where I actually want to be. Mm -hmm. That's the big, big difference. And like, it's, it's, it's hard to convince, especially like parents of this type of stuff, like, cause they see it as more of a hobby, but like they don't, they don't like I try, you try to show them the dollars that are coming in and, but um, no. Okay. So, to, so essentially I want, so I have, so uh, right now I have three years worth of credits at uh, the uh, University of St. Boniface mm -hmm. in the, and it, well, it's, it's called Communication Multimedia, but it's their, it's their film program or their film and audio visual program. Okay. So they teach you how to use this music studio. They teach you how to properly screen write, um, like write scripts. Like I've, I've, I completed the two classes. That that that's why I love writing so much too, because uh, what I learned there. Um, yeah, how to how to run a studio, how to build websites, um, animation. They just wow. they, they they give you the, the tree basis, branch. Yeah. yeah, and whether you gravitate towards music or film or web or web stuff, you have to do it all. It's like it's like they forced you to try everything, and I like that because I, it got me discovering uh, like graphic design, for example, something I didn't know I was good at. But so okay, so I so so having said that, I the the short answer I don't know. I'll keep doing, keep dipping toes, and I want like I will network my way onto like I like. I want to put this in a way that, like, essentially what I'm trying to say is I want to be somewhere where I personally right now don't want to set a goal for. Because if I set myself up for a goal that I'll fail at, that I'll be trying to get myself to, then I'll be stuck with maybe all of these uh, things that I, that I don't need. I want kind of to work day by day and see, like, what is the best uh, plan of attack uh, as I go along, so to speak? But if I had a dream, it would be to if I like if I had a dream, if I had to pick, uh, it would be to either work in a writer's room uh, on like my own show or something like that, okay. or to act in front of the in front of the camera in film and or TV. Do both. Hey, be I, in the writing write, write room yourself and, in. <laughs> and and be in front of the camera and uh, and even and even if it, if it presents itself directing too, but I don't know. I honestly would take. I, I I love the whole industry that I would almost take any job. You know, so it's just what I got from that is doing something you love and you'll never have to work a day in your life. So to keep doing the thing that you love and progress within it. But ha but having the motivation to grind and not like to not slack about it is kind of like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you got it and just to continuously get better. Exactly. I, I even have a quote that I say: "Be better than you were yesterday." Mm -hmm. it, that's essentially what it is. Like, some be the best version of yourself. Yeah, some people's egos can't let themselves learn that they have mistakes. So you got to be able to say that sucked. 
uh, uh, for the next time, I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to be better in this area, you know? Hey buddy, how, how did I do? You know? It's funny that self-critiquing is something that's so important and something that people don't often do. And, and it can be life and it can be whatever your passion or your project or your career is. Mm-hmm. But having being self-critical and saying, what can I do better? Especially or, in creative, uh, any, any creative job, any, any at all. Sorry, to, uh, what were you No, that's say? fine. I would just say even with this, it's like being open with the people around you. Oh, yeah. Like whether it's podcasting, whether it's acting, but being open about okay, these little things need to get better. This is, you know, we could change this or maybe this is how we optimize this point. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's being able to look beyond the surface of yourself and just say, okay, I'm not great at this. Either I get better or we do it a different way. But you have to come up with those ideas through that time. And I think like we all have, we all faced that to have realized that. Because I, I used to have a way bigger ego and expectation of myself than like, until I really saw professionals work, I was like taken aback and like that is really where uh, where <laughs> that was learned <laughs> yeah. on the set. Well, um, you know that that new CBC show, uh, Burden of Truth. It's like it's uh, it's filmed in Selkirk and like Selkirk is having this huge boom of, of uh, because they're renovating stores right, and, yeah. and uh, the whole town into their 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 fictional town, Millbrook. Um, I, I got to, I got to do a lot of little, uh, extra roles in there, but that was just for, uh, hashish, so to speak. <laughs> uh, no, but, um, it's cool to have a, a cool, uh, famous show like that in the uh, Selkirk. But, uh, yeah, no, that kind of derailed there. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, uh, w- uh, what were you saying just before that, uh, the, what was I saying? I don't know. I got I got lost in my train of thought. Okay. I, I tend to have a bad habit to do that all the time too. <laughs> no, that's, oh, good. I think it's something to do with the entertainer and or actor mindset when you're just like and you you even said yourself you're a little eccentric, but it's like it's fun to just get lost in like the moment and try oh, and like yeah. come up with more thoughts and your brain cells start firing and then you go, What the hell was I talking about <laughs> even a minute ago? So yeah, I, I tend to do that a lot too. I think it's a creative mind type. Right. Where you're you're constantly searching for the idea within the idea. And sometimes you get lost a little bit on the uh, way. Absolutely. But yeah. I think it's talking honestly just about your life and, and what you go through and your process and experiences and journey. And that's what this is. But that's what I like getting to share with people, too. Mm-hmm. So oh, maybe yeah. on that level, I wanted to know the single best piece of advice that you would give someone who's trying to better their life or change their life. Whew, that's a loaded uh, question. Uh, all right. Um, it's a good one, though. Uh, okay. Some to better your life in terms of it acting or general. Either or. Okay. Never take yourself seriously is number one, I would say. <laughs> Be humble to the fact that someone else beside you, respecting them or not, may be better than you and may still be able to teach you whether or not you agree with their beliefs, practices, or lifestyles. Um, show up. Show up to stuff. Um, be, be, be bold. Show up to that, to that audition where everybody's stretching, everybody's uh, goddesses, and, and, and <laughs> all the guys are jacked, and, and you're that skinny guy sitting in the corner like me, like I was, and got the role over those big guys. You know, be... Be bold. Be not scared to be ashamed. And if you do get embarrassed, fuck it. Just 
<laughs> walk on and know what you did. Ask them what you did, what, what could have, have, been, have been done better. Keep your head up high and never, ever stop, no matter how much refusal you get. That's like that. amazing. Yeah. There were so many great points in that, too. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I just like the be humble, learn, and, and yeah. No, that's perfect. Couldn't have said it any better. Yeah. Uh, Essentially, it's just all, all lessons I've learned that I just piled in that little sentence. There. <laughs> One of the things that I've always felt, it's like you have to be willing to go it alone, too. Yes, like absolutely. Just, just go do that thing. Whatever you're putting off, whatever you're, whatever that thing that you don't think anyone wants to join you with, Go do it alone. And then a lot of you'll... people think that you need a mentor or like, even I thought that even I, I looked around for people to help me, but you're the only person that's going to be able to do like yeah. you're, you're, you uh, ourselves are, are the only people that can really, yeah. um, you, the hardest part is starting the journey. And then all of a sudden people will gravitate and all of a sudden you'll be in this whole different realm surrounded by talented people that can show you, mm-hmm. but it's like, you have to be willing to dip your feet first exactly. before ever, exactly. before you ever get to that point. Sometimes dipping the feet is where people stop. People, people will metaphorically stop right at the pool and then just walk right back, you know, like, like, I'll oh, screw this. Like. I'll do, I'll do stand up next time. Like, you know, like, but you, so I, I, I see those situations and I just say like, man, like just, I, I want, I want to say just do it, but I, I see the Nike logo in my head. <laughs> <laughs> but go for it. But yeah, go for it. There you go. There we go. TM, we'll, we won't trade mark. <laughs> <laughs> just go for no it. No lawsuits here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No lawsuits. So come after us, Nike, but you could give us some shoes or something. <laughs> Actually, I prefer Adidas, so whatever. Oh, um, ouch. <laughs> now Nikes don't fit my feet. That's my, that's my problem. Anyways, uh, just before we head out here, I, yeah. I wanted to know where can we find Colin Defoe on either social media, the projects you're working on, the upcoming shows that you have. So let us know what's going on in your world and where right, we can find you. All right, the plugs are coming in. Yes. Um, so basically... Uh, follow me on Instagram, of course. That's where the bulk of my information and news comes from, which is at D-U-F-O-M-E-D-I-A, Dufo Media. Duf- get it? D-U-F-O Media. Okay. Um, you could also email me from there if you ever want to book me, if you ever if you ever think I'm cool, you know, if you like my British accent, yeah? <laughs> um, if, you, uh, if you want to see an amazing show, uh, the show we spoke about earlier, if you were around, if you were not at the bathroom while uh, we, we were listening to the podcast, <laughs> um, is called Sport of the Engineer. And it, it, it will be playing nine times at the Fringe Festival starting on July 18th. I do not know what time, but there is plenty of great entertainment there. So show up early, have some fun, have a, have a couple of glasses of wine, and then you'll see the World War One epic of the sport of the engineer starting Colin Dufour. <laughs> 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 I'm just nice. kidding. It's not, it's not starring me. It's starting actually Virginia McLean, this, uh, the, the girl who's playing Dorothy. This is truly, truly an amazing actress. I'd say watch out for her and... Uh, and watch out for uh, some of the barriers that she passes along the way because you'll recognize uh, maybe a couple people. Me. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, and I would, uh, I would, I would uh, conclude it like that. Yeah, and then look <laughs> for your upcoming role in the, in the movie on Netflix. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I, well, I, I have uh, plenty of little things like that, but definitely <laughs> uh, check your Netflixes for How It Ends by, uh, or with Forrest Whitaker and Theo James, yeah. that beautiful, beautiful Theo James. <laughs> Awesome. So, and as always, we're Be The Change. You can follow us at Be The Change YPS on both 
Facebook, if you still use it, and also <laughs> Instagram or Insta's, you kids call it. Uh, you can always email us if you have any ideas for content or for something that you we should be doing or that you'd like to hear. Email b.the.change.yps at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, that's all, folks. Thanks for listening. All Thank right. you for having me. Thanks for being on. Awesome.